This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, get a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. That is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. G'day buddy, how you going? G'day big boy, how you doing? Not so big boy at the moment, mate. No, mate. You've been crook. You've had a, you've had a tough one, haven't I you? did, mate. I went to hospital. Mate, t- what happened? Don't do hospitals. Didn't like it. Oh, it was fucking horrible. <laughs> mate, <laughs> hospitals aren't built for blokes. You look pretty good in a robe though, I reckon, I mean, with, mate, with a loose back. I've never understood that either. How, like your arms, like I'm not a dinosaur, I've got little arms, but how the fuck are you supposed to tie that thing up, right? You put the thing, your arms through it, and they've got ropes through it at the back. Anyway, I think I always, women could do it. I, I always feel quite exposed. But you hear exactly then your bum's hanging out. And the, the hard thing is you say to the nurse when she gives you put the gown on, okay, so what am I taking off? I'm taking my shirt, my undies, what am I doing? Yeah. No, you can leave your shorts on. Okay, thanks, fair enough. No worries. Funny story, I got my photos taken for my after shoot for my, my challenge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they got done professionally. Oh, a fucking good-looking bloke I am. You are looking pretty good. We're uh, wearing a pair of jocks, all good, right? They get the photos. This bloke walks out, and then he goes, this young girl's taking the photos. And uh, he's walked out. I said, how'd you go with your photos, mate? And he goes, oh, I think I've just traumatised her for life. And she said, oh, I'll get your kid off then and get ready for things. So he's gone starkers. This 17, 18-year-old girl turned around ready to take the photo, and he's standing there nude. And uh, she's just gone, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Anyway, let's, do it, right? let's do it. But you're uh, you're feeling better now. I know I'm feeling heaps better. Here we go. The Great Northern Brewery was established in Cairns in 1927 to brew beer specifically for the local conditions in Queensland. In tribute to this brewery, the Great Northern Brewing Co. now continues the tradition by delivering a beer that is brewed longer to produce a super crisp, refreshing lager. That's perfect for the endless summer of the Great North. This is the Great Northern Brewing Co. Original. Crack that there bad boy open. Hang on. You know that I'm from North Queensland, so uh, you're taking me back to my roots. Oh. That was the shittest one we've done so far. <laughs> there you go. Hey, mate, uh, who we got here today? Oh, we got Mike Campbell here today. Hang on, there we go. Oh, that's not bad. No, not bad. Let's see how Mike goes with his. Actually, when you get yours open. Third beer is always the best. Here it we is. Go. It is always the best. Yeah, it's a guest. Yes, it is a hard tap to get off. I think we've got to get a better uh, maybe it's the opener, better opener. I reckon okay. we might have to uh, step up. Okay. Ching, ching, cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Gee, that was a good cheers. Yeah, it was a good cheers. Oh, that's not that's like reminds me of something like a good two is new. Good two is new. No, nah, maybe not. Maybe it's got like a it's got like a beer taste, like a man beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very clean. I, I like I like a I like a great one. Not bad, mate. Mike Campbell, bloke I met at Fuck Up Nights a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we were having a chat, and then we got, got got together on the phone. Mike does what we do here, 
in an event situation. So he gets a whole pile of dudes into a room and they talk about shit blokes not normally talk about. Holy dilly, that sounds a lot of fun. So next week, which is on the 11th of August, there's an event here on the Gold Coast. Mate, I got offered to speak at it, as you are now as well, and I can't make it. So you're going to go and represent the third beer. I'm feeling like, get up on stage, whoop, whoop, go to the third beer. The reserves come on for the big man. And I, 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 I'm more than happy to do up Subbed the beats. him in. Subbed him in. Ready to rock and roll. Tag, let's I go. I it's going to be a better speech anyway. Sounds like a good time. Sounds but like you've got time. no idea what you're going to be talking about. So I bought, thought we'd get Mike in, have a chat about what he does. Let's hear his story. Let's talk about who he is exactly. and what he does. And then Excellent. we can work out where we go from there. Sounds like a plan. Mike, welcome, buddy. Thanks for having me, fellas. It's great to be here. No worries at all. Mate, this is uh, probably the, one of the most relaxed podcasts around where we literally drink beer and talk shit. Um, I like it. But the stuff that when we were first talking was... But meaningful shit. I of course. Say. No, yeah, I yeah, don't mean yeah, bad yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, bad shit. Good shit. Good stuff, you know. But um, one, one of the things that we sort of touched on was, was this whole, we've got this big thing in common and that is mm. that we want to talk about stuff that blokes don't normally talk about. And when you were telling me your story, it was like, fuck, we need to get him on here and have a little <laughs> chat. So... Welcome. Thank you. Mate, where, where does it all start? What, what, who are you and what do you do? Where does it all start? That's the question, right? So, look, I'm, yeah, Mike Campbell. And for those, maybe it's not so obvious, I'll point it out. I'm a Kiwi. That's that it little accent obvious. coming in. Okay. Depends on who I hang out with. I had picked it up. I knew there was something. But I just thought, thought, it, I just thought it was a sophisticated guy. Chops. chops. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, look, my, you know, my background is very sporty background. Um, you know, went to university in Dunedin. Um, and did a physical education degree and was kind of instantly, I suppose, um, more intrigued by the human body. And and then I uh, left university. I started working as a personal trainer in New Zealand, then I moved to the UK and spent a lot of time over there. And I soon became very fascinated with the human mind and human behavior. And I realized, well, what I do is kind of physical, but it's not really. And over the years, you know, I'm very curious uh, and considered and I like to figure things out. And and working with real humans um, soon gave me that challenge day in, day out. And one of the things that I, I found was I'm mostly working with guys and they're usually coming to me with the same kind of thing. There's some physical want, but there's this emotional need behind it. And I can't not address that. And I need to dig into it. And I like to dig and I like to figure things out. So I moved back to Australia when would it be? About 2009, I think. And so, you know, I'd done some time over in Europe and doing all that stuff and uh, stacking my portfolio of good times over many a beer. And it was when I got back here, um, I went through a really tumultuous time myself. I went through a breakup and my mum was very ill and soon passed away from lung cancer. And it was a very introspective time for me um, where my default is to go up in my head, which I I now know is very common for a lot of men. Um, But it was... It was also taking action and, and finding answers. And I was doing a lot of work on myself and it forced me to really, and then when I met my now wife as well, who was an instrumental part in, in forcing me to hold up the mirror and ask a few questions. It was a time that led me to going, what am I doing? What am I about? What am I good at? What do I really give a shit about? And that's when I realized, you know what, I've been working with guys mostly this whole time. And what I do now is quite holistic I suppose in terms of the approach because I'm seeing the same shit come up time and time again mentally guys aren't where they want to be physically they're not where they want to be and when they want to try and make some kind of a change it's like where do you start there's so much information especially in the in the physical world that 
you know, experts can't agree. So how's the average bloke supposed to know what the hell to do? And that just led me to the rabbit hole, I suppose, of figuring out what's going on for men. Rabbit hole. Why are we in this place where we, you know, are struggling a bit and not really that satisfied with things and, and, and not really showing up? And so I just went down this huge journey of, of looking at manhood and masculinity and, and, uh, and, you know, starting to talk to psychologists and psychiatrists and, and experts in the men's space. And, and it led me to kind of going, you know what, I think we've screwed something up here, fellas. We're just, we're missing something. Something's not quite happening. And so from there, I kind of dove in. I started writing my book, which is called Unleash Your Alpha. Totally changed my, my business, flipped it on its head. It created this kind of coaching model and started working specifically with men in, in, uh, in terms of kind of sorting their shit out, really, and, and piecing alpha. things together. Yeah, and look, the thing for me there was, you know, we have this weird and very narrow image of what it is to be a man today. And often that term alpha gets thrown in there and the very kind of hyper-masculine, domineering uh, definition. And for me, you know, when you look at the origins, an alpha is a leader. And and for me, it's, it's someone who picks someone's up, pick, picks others up, not puts them down, leads by example, with equal parts heart and backbone. And I went, you know what? It's time to reclaim that. It's time to take it back. It's time to actually um, empower and educate men to to step into that role themselves. So that's that's kind of how that came about. That's wow! <laughs> yeah, what an intro. So many questions. You want to leave? Here you go, mate. Well, I'm just I'm thinking um, I'm coming at uh, my uh, my therapeutic model from a different uh, the other op- other end, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So I've started off with a kind of a psychological thinking mind spirit space, and then I found yoga and mm-hmm. trying to integrate the physical aspect in, in regards to how I engage with people. Which is kind of physical back to the mind. <laughs> it's this kind of movement, isn't it? And you've been on your own journey. Yeah, yeah. You had your, 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 own, your own blocks and you've taken on a number of different exercise programs and some have worked, some haven't worked yeah. and you slipped in and out. I think I've done a bit of both. I think I've done a bit of the physical and the I mental. I think you do, yeah. Like I, I've done a lot of both. Can we separate these things at I all? Know, I don't know. I'm not sure we question. can. Yeah. I think we try to foolishly. They are so interrelated, I think, the two. Mental, emotional, physical, they all impact on each other. If you feel good about yourself mentally or emotionally, you're usually feeling physically well. It's quite difficult to feel great about yourself. If you're I know. Sometimes if you're sitting there with a nice burger and chips, you're feeling really good. <laughs> are, are you, Brett? Are you really? I don't know. I might be just uh, in the moment. <laughs> well, you, you haven't been feeling so good over the last few weeks. So yeah, no, what, exactly. what, what's that been like for you? It's been tough. I tell you what, it was really tough though. And and like we're in, a, in our studio now, which is probably what, three metres by two metres wide. This is about the size of the room that I was in for like a week. Mm. With one bed, one TV, and uh, a nurse that kept coming and jabbing me with, with really good needles, but um, but that was um, zero beers. I'm assuming. Yeah, that. no, no, no beer, no <laughs> nothing, just full antibiotics and stuff. But the thing there is, uh, I don't believe if I didn't wasn't able to go into the mental space that I'm in now, I would have survived that. Like, mm. I don't mean like physically survived. I mean like mentally survived. I would have just gone up the wall because I being in such a confined space, and I'm very much an extrovert. In the in, out in the world, whether I'm an introvert, it's 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 debatable which way that really is, mm. and I think that's where you get to with some of your stuff. But I found that the the things that I've learned over the last year enabled me to deal with that situation. Like, okay, mm. it's only eleven more hours. I'm good. Sit here and I'll just fill the space, take a few deep breaths, and 
Okay, I'm going to jab. They're going to jab me in the thigh with a, a morphine needle. Oh, fuck, that hurts. But then the feeling <laughs> afterwards, awesome. So get that feeling before it actually happens and the morphine does nothing. I found that that was the probably the most interesting thing I did when I was in hospital. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Was the last time I was in hospital, which is a few years ago, and they give you a morphine needle. I was like, oh, man, how do people live on this every day? Like it was really trippy. Whereas this time I got myself into a state before I had the needle that I didn't really – didn't do that to me. I think it was really, really interesting. That is interesting, buddy. It's yeah, been a theme of the last few podcasts that you've been uh, flicking in and out of that space all yeah, yourself. Yeah, I quite enjoy it. And I think that's, that's really healthy for someone to be able to do that. And I think what you're talking mm. about, Mike, is that no one – well, people don't talk about it and people don't – we'd meditate. That's a gay thing to do. You don't want to do that and those sort of things. And and you must see that shit all the time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, And, and so, you know, my story – to, to starting my book, that's where the evolution really started for me, diving into. What made you write the book? Um, for you or for others to learn? Both. Okay. So um, I, like I said before, it was a period of like immense, I suppose, introspection and, and you know, what am I about? What do I care about? And what what am I here to do and who can I serve? And so – I was going through a bit of a growth as an entrepreneur at the time as well. And I was going through a course called KPI, which is run by a company called Dent. And part of that program was bringing your ideas to life, essentially, and publishing them and, and you know, putting your head up and having a voice. Um, and publishing your ideas because the idea being that you're standing on a mountain of value. It's just that often when we're standing on it, we don't see it, right? And... Um, I'm going to stand on the top of a mountain with a bucket of fucks. <laughs> What's your yeah, fuck bucket? <laughs> your fuck bucket. I'm going to get a certain <laughs> amount of fucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I stand up there. I stand on my mountain of fucks. I'm giving. <laughs> I love it. Mate, I'm really interested to know. Uh, you said you noticed some themes coming through when you're working with men mm. uh, consistently. And I'm, I'm wondering whether you kind of became aware of those own themes within yourself when mm. you're going through this introspection, introspection period, yeah. you know? Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, tell us, yeah. So, tell us about so for that. For me, everything that yeah. I Can end I just up ask doing. before that, was that which, which period though? Because it sounds to me like there's two. There's the original one where you had the breakup and stuff. And, the and then there's and the second one. But are you living the first one or the second one when you do that? Does that make sense? So you you be saying so to me like things yep. go in stages in life, right? Mm. So you've had your your first breakup and yep. pretty fucked up there, right? And then now you've come through that, and now you've found your wife, and it, and she's helped you. She showed you the mirror, and you looked at it and stuff. But was that mirror looking back at you now, or was that mirror looking at back at you back then? Like, had you ever got over that stuff? And the reason I asked that because I never did. Yeah, I never got over my original shit. Yeah, right. I just got yep. deeper down. Sorry, I I don't. I, I don't fully comprehend your question. You so I, I'm going to go back to my question. We will come back to your question. <laughs> just to clarify, just to was. clarify. So I, I had in my mind, and you can take us on your journey. What I had was <laughs> he's worked hard. He's been physical. He's, he's, he's followed his career path overseas. Then he's, then he's, uh, you know, suffered the loss of a relationship. He suffered the loss of his mother. That's this, stage one. He's noticed some themes when he's been working with men and he's incorporated that into what he's done. But and then was he's that back then or now. Then and he's hit a big big patch of who am I and how do I really feel mm. about what's just gone on. And then he's brought all this together mm. and then gone on a journey. So that's what I was asking you about. What, what were you, what, is that what you're asking about? All right, excellent. Well, I let's, think we're let's on the same that. page. Let's yeah, we're on the same page. Okay, oh, I just wasn't sure. Talk. Okay. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, there we go. He pointed to both. Yeah, of us. I pointed. It's a podcast. <laughs> the so, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and something that I'm incredibly um, passionate about, and anything that I do, and this is what you'll see at Beyond the Beers, is it's my responsibility to go first and yeah. showcase that I am in this too. You are the product. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And and so for my journey, that was a huge part of it. You know, I, I grew up in New Zealand and, I, and there's so many similarities between Australia and New Zealand, but there's some little differences, of course, too. And one of the big similarities, I think, is the tall poppy syndrome, but it has a different flavour, I think, in New Zealand. You guys don't like bowling underarm. That's, that's what I call it. There you oh, go. Yeah. And, well, that's the thing, right? That If you look at New Zealand sportsmen, you'll see it on steroids and it's that need to be humble at all costs. Sometimes that I think like. He just said all New Zealand sportsmen are on steroids. Just want to add that. (laughs) Take that caption and we'll put that on the poster. Sorry, keep going. Better for. (laughs) Where the challenge is to not be too big, but also not be too small. And we end up playing in this gray area of nothing. And so for me, that was something that I absolutely, you know, kind of realized where I was terrified to be seen. You know, I don't want to put myself out there because then I'll be up for potential judgment and all this kind of stuff. And that was just as part of the syllabus growing up almost. It was so ingrained that that was one of the big realizations I had. I was living in Scotland in the middle of nowhere playing rugby. And um, that's all I did. I played rugby. So a lot of time to think. <laughs> and one of the things I realized was I need to get over myself. I'm so worried about what people think and so up in my head and so concerned about all this stuff. that. And it was mostly around women at that stage. So is that theme one? Men are stuck in their heads. Men are stuck in their heads and so concerned about what others think. Okay. Yeah. Projecting and receiving what, what, what other people think of them. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't such a clear realisation for me then. It was more, I need to just get over my own shit a little bit and put myself out there. I was terrified of change. I was terrified of new things. And, again, these are things that were like such subtle realisations then that it much clearer now. At with, the same with time, time. You'd, you'd leaped continents to mm. go work and, you know, challenge yourself yes. on the field. So, Absolutely. so there's this kind of, you know, contradiction where well, you're was frightened thing. to move but actually courageous at the same time. Because there was always an element in me that wanted to do my own thing but also craved safety and security. And so, so I think as a blessing, yeah. it worked because it forced me to push myself a little bit. Um, and then I went to Scotland and I went, holy shit, what am I doing here? This is weird. This is different. And it forced me to, to think and reflect. And so heading through that, I realized all these little things, you know, I myself was holding myself back. I was the one who was my own worst enemy in that sense. How would you talk to yourself when you were your worst enemy? What, what, what kind of things would you say? It's a lot of doubt. You know, a lot of doubt, a lot of what ifs. Thinking about the, and this is one of the things that I see so, so frequently now in men, again, because I've been there and realized it and now I work with men and I see it, is that we we fear this worst case scenario stuff. What if? What if? But it's just this vague gray cloud, like bad weather at the back there. We never turn and face it. And so when it's like that, it holds power over us. And that's what I think was for me. It was never articulated, it's never clear. It's just there. And it prevents us doing things. And so for me, I turned and faced it. And once you turn and face it, you see it, bring clarity to it. You can make sense of it. You can actually use that masculine mind of, getting logical and detailed. Well, I, I kind of would prefer the model that you found yourself in it yeah. with, the, with the breakup of the girlfriend oh, yeah. and well, the loss of mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, you, yeah, so yeah. you was a lead up to that space, yeah. was it? Yeah. And then all of a yeah. sudden you're I was just in, all very unconscious fog. at this early stage, yeah. you know. I was single. I was 24. So there was there was kind of that reptile brain 
um, desire of, you know, just having a good time. So I was following a, a simple purpose at that point, let's call it. Um, with a little, few more years under my belt and a few a reptilian more. reptilian purpose, yeah. Oh, not okay with that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So then so then things, you know, took a, a much bigger step, let's say, when, when um, you know, I moved back with my fiancé at the time. And I got a How call. How old were you then? I was 28, I think. 28. Yeah. And so she was in New Zealand attending a friend's wedding. I was due to fly over. Um, I got a, a call uh, to meet her. I got a call the next day from her. I was very excited to talk to her. And um, she said, look, I, I, I can't marry you. She realized that my friend's wedding yesterday, I can't do it. And I was absolutely devastated. I didn't see it coming. And it just destroyed me. Wow, where, and, did, where did that didn't hit in the head, did it? Kind of hit in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, That's and big. the very next day, so this is when I was back when I was a personal trainer and I just got to Sydney essentially. The very next day I was starting my new business <laughs> at the gym. So I had, on one hand, I had to just deal with it because I had to put a roof over my head and food in my mouth. So right. we had to do the old suck it up, get on with it. Very much had and to do you're that. in this, this agonizing pain. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. at the same time, mum was very ill and I was lucky enough to be staying with my sister. Um, and so we were flying back and forth to New Zealand a lot. There was a lot of the, we think now's the time kind of stuff. So there's a lot of heavy emotional stuff going on, but I'm very close to my sister and I was lucky to be able to, um, you know, have her and, and we were there for each other as well, but to be able to talk. And, and now with years under my belt and a bit more rich, um, retrospection, you know, could have been more effective. But um, there was an element of getting on and dealing with it, and there was also some some processing. It's funny, isn't it? Because we talk about men's space and how men need to talk and we need to come together and have these conversations. But the, the, the real profound influences in your life so far that I've heard has been the breakup, has been the death of your mother, mm. has been the, the relationship with your sister and now the relationship with your new <laughs> – with your, with your yeah, wife. Absolutely. It's funny, isn't it? Because we, we can't really separate ourselves from our relationship with our, with our women in our lives. Mothers, grandmothers, sisters, aunties. Oh, yeah. yeah. Instrumental for me. Absolutely. And yeah. how do you, uh, how do you negotiate that space by finding male space to do that? I mean, I've always struggled that I've always mm. found it probably easy to communicate and engage with women yeah. as opposed to men. I think that's very true. Really? Like, look at your situation at the moment. Is Chris is in the process of just separating from his wife after many, many years. Well, we're six months into it now. Six months, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that's gone quick. It has gone quick. <laughs> but, you're, yeah. but you're like, answer your own question. Like, how do you find now you're going to talk to more blokes about that stuff or are you going to talk to more women about that? How's, how's, how are you dealing with that? Um, I, I'm finding it quite, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't say that I've, um, Turn to blokes to really talk about this stuff. Um, I, talk I, to anyone about? Yeah, yeah, I have. I've got some good mates, and uh, I, I have had uh, sporadic conversations. Um, but the real nurturing is, has probably come from the women in my life. I know my mother, um, uh, some other friends, um, even my you know ex partner. You know, we've shared some moments, and my daughters. Um, it feels, it feels as if women are a little bit more open to that space. And I suppose this is what we're getting well, to, uh, unleash your alpha. Well, I, I think there's a competitive aspect with men. And I think that mm-hmm. it's easier to find an androgynous, non-competitive space with a woman where you can put it down. And it's not about male, female. It's about just people. Well, the feminine is more nurturing and caregiving. And I think that's where we well, recognise that and see it. I think it's. In a very basic 
level. I think it, it's a little bit different for me. I think it, it, it puts down my competitive nature. Right. It's easier for me. It's yeah, easier yeah. for me yeah, to. Yeah, that makes it's sense. easier yeah. for me to be nurturing. Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean because I don't feel as if there's any of that kind of space. That they're going to put down their their guard and allow and invites me in so that I can mm. put down mine. Yeah. And I think men struggle with that. We can do it, it at times. Longer, I reckon. Oh, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't you know. Don't even get there, you don't reckon? I, I, I do. I have very intimate, close relationships with lots of blokes, but um, it's it's a fascinating thing. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure. Well, let's Let explore. Let me ask you another question for both of you. Then is your this has happened to you a lot later in life, like now? Yep. You're a lot older than lot older than twenty four. Um, but 28, sorry. But when this, like, do you think age has helped that? Do you think that your sort of more life experience now has helped you at all in there? Like 28-year-old bloke, you're not going to go to your mates at the pub and, and you're going to go there, get pissed with them. and, and they're No, gonna, well, I didn't. Not really. Didn't. Ah. But I would love to see a world where we're more capable of doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I see the power in it. But you know, I'd go down to the boys and just, yeah, okay. When, oh, Be mate, real. Yeah, exactly. Because what I see is, and this is what for me Beyond the Beers is about, that we stick to the surface over a beer. And that's exactly what you guys are doing here, right? And there's the, there's the opportunity to drop. It doesn't need to be the deepest, most serious conversation, but something. Because most of us are so ready to help our mate. You know, if your mate came to you and, and, and gave your situation back to you for him, you know, you'd, most of us would. Help out. It is interesting, and I think, and I I think that we do, Mm. and I think there's there's spaces where we do open up and care for each other, but it's also the the image I have in my head is the dog licking its wounds under the veranda. You kind of know it's there. You you kind of feed him. You kind of take him out for a beer. You love him, but you love him from a distance, and you go, mate, you've just got to you got to you got to heal those wounds. You got to lick. Absolutely, but I think it's it's between perhaps what that nurturing conversation might be like, and just being able to get stuff off your chest and, 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 you know, as me and we mostly want to solve things. And so, you know, I come to you and I share some stuff that's going on, you know, I had to break up and all this kind of stuff to get me down instantly on the other side. And I've been there and I'm still there on occasion. Absolutely. Um, sometimes effectively, sometimes not is how do I, how do I fix that? How do I solve it? And sometimes we need that, of course, sometimes we don't. And so I don't think there needs to be necessarily a real, nurturing element to it but just I hear you man it's tough like that's powerful if you hear that from from one of your brothers you know mate a really interesting story about that right is I've been pretty crook and um we got this whatsapp group where all the boys put weird shit up and do all that sort of stuff and so I put up there no I can't make that this week boys I'm in hospital right ah toughen up princess oh would you get a dildo stuff all this really stupid shit because there's all these blokes just talking blokey stuff every single bloke messaged me separately Mate, are you all right? What do I need to do? How can I help you? But in that forum, it was like, <laughs> and everyone would come back to me. Okay. Yeah, and that sounds silly, but you, I would imagine, also got a kick out of all those. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is, the reason I was laughing is because they were sending me yes, the individual messages, and I know, like in front of the in front of the blokes. But I think that's a reason why we don't, some people don't do that situation. Like if you're in a pub with five or six guys. And you don't really go, hey, buddy, can you just come over here and I want to have a quick chat? Yeah, just me and you just so, because I know you're the most nurturing bloke here and you'll help me, right? Whereas i got a really good group of male mates um, separate to that group, but i got a really good one, whereas I can actually do that. And one of them come and saw me in hospital and he's probably the only bloke I wanted to come and see me in hospital. Walked in, give me a hug and said, we sat there for two hours and spoke about nothing. 
nothing about me being crook, nothing about anything about his about life and just shit in general. And oh, I better go off to work now, mate. Yeah, no worries. But it was just one of those like it's really interesting mm. those different types of people and the different situations they're in. And I think it's um the being having everyone has the ability or wants the ability to actually do that nurturing thing, but blokes just don't do it. Don't they? I'm I doing, think we've learnt we have we have this conversation. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think something happens. I don't know if we need it as often, but I do think the blokes still need the nurturing woman in their lives. Like, I agree. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so there's something we get from that relationship mm. that I'm not sure we can replicate with men. Wow. I, think, I don't well, know. Oh, I know it's a big call. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm I speaking from experience. Though. of it. I, <laughs> I think I agree though. But I but think about the thing. The, so you you take probably a lot of groups of men in yep. that exact situation that you described. Um, that they might not be as proactive or emotionally intelligent to reach out to you individually. Yeah. So all you get is the banter. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then what do you get? You don't get that. And it's not necessarily that, that nurturing. That. Yep, yeah, yeah it's not necessarily that. that that nurturing side. It's just that bit of empathy and compassion. It's like I've I've, I've got your back. It's basically what you what what you're you getting, want, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I just think that it's missing to a large degree because we've been taught to shift the emotional side and just put that put that away. Don't worry about that. That's that's weak and all that. Um, and and there's How so do you much potential. It? Or do you change that? I think we can. Hey, but are you wanting to change that, or are you wanting yes. to identify that? Like you wanted to show people. First of all, identify. Identify, and then, yeah. And then, and then you want to make the change. So I think in order to change that dynamic, and that's what I hinted at earlier, is that we'd have to put down our innately competitive nature so I, for I, a period of time. Yeah. And so the, and if so we talk about an alpha wolf, hyper competitive. Yeah. yeah so, and they're willing to dominate and control the situation. Mm. And so when you're talking about. How do I, even with a friend, put down the competition of a golf game? Or, or how do I put down the need to um, project my masculinity? And mm. I just, I, I think it's such an interesting dance. And I'm very keen about the conversation. Yeah. I'm just not exactly sure where I sit with it at the moment. And that's because of my terms? sense. Um, sit with it in what terms? It can happen. It needs to happen. You can do it. I think it happens. Sorry to start asking all the questions. <laughs> that's the whole idea of what we do. It happens in particular contexts and yeah. particular powerful times. And I've had, you know, I've got these those friendships, and I have uh, my father. And but in regards to um, how I do that and how I negotiate that space of being masculine and mm. putting down my um, my um, barriers to intimacy, mm. it's it's an interesting flow. And I don't think it's hey, men just need to talk more because I think men talk enough I, I think it's about how how do we assist in a in a, in a quality quality kind of way yeah yep, yep. Uh, so there's something we need to learn from women yeah oh yeah we can learn a lot but i think yeah. the point that you made there is spot on is that it's the flow it's when do we do it right mm. and because we need that and, that and that's the kind of integration of the masculine and feminine in the individual is that you know as men, naturally, we are aggressive and competitive and so on. That's the providing nature. Go out and hunt. And then we need to be able to come back and reintegrate into the tribe, so to speak, right? And I think that's the kind of thing there. We need to be able to have those conversations and and, um, and the competitive nature and so on. And then there's times where there's that softening and surrendering and flowing more into the feminine. 
Yeah, okay. Because I, I, I'm thinking now of my son and uh, the loving space that I have with him and I always want to keep that open. But, uh, and my father too. I mean, you had a beautiful relationship with your dad. I did, yeah. And we celebrated his anniversary last weekend. 14 years since he passed away. And, um, he gave him a kiss and punched him in the face. I did. And, I did. <laughs> and that's that dynamic that we talk about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And how do, how do you feel that that uh, expresses itself with you and your son? Oh, it's really interesting because every time – I've got two boys and two girls, right? And I've got different relationships with every child. And I now start to realize I've got some of the traits of my old man with my boys. Not with my girls because he never had girls and it was a little bit different. But I got some of those traits. Like this morning I made a point, really made a point of sitting down with one of my boys and doing something he's been trying to do on the computer with me for a week. And I realized, I said, no, my buddy, can we do that tomorrow? Can we do that tomorrow? Can we do that? And then I said, no, you're a dick. Stop. Take the five minutes. Do it now. It's going to make his week. All right? Whereas I never got that. I always got, yeah, let's do it tomorrow. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Right? And then I just found it really interesting that I actually then went, no. Like I spoke to myself and said, you've got to do that because that's going to make it. That's going to help him. And I, th- I think the traits that my dad's taught me about how you treat women, how you do all that sort of stuff, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And But some of the traits that I've learned of pushing things to the side and not talking about it and all that sort of stuff. That's, that's something that we, uh, mm. that we all have, but I think that was a learnt behavior. Yeah. I think most of it's learned. And I think the conditioning for me and around parking your issues and sucking it up, you know, there's such an important need for that on occasion. But Facing the challenge and, and overcoming it and building resilience. But a lot of the time, I think that's not serving that us. This morning? What I mean by that yeah. is, like, I believe I learned all this stuff unconsciously yeah. Oh, yeah. when I was a kid. So I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of the way you parent your children is the way they're going to end up. So kids aren't born assholes. They get taught to be assholes, right? So, like, I was being an asshole for the last few days. I don't want to teach my kid mm. to do that to his kid. So I stopped. No, nah, that's just that. Something really simple, right? Um, I just, just wonder whether all of these issues that we have as men now are the next generation going to have those same issues because they learn them off us. I think so. To throw a really broad brushstroke on it. What do you think, Chris? I think we've come a long way. Oh, yeah, I I agree. And um, I'm not sure where we're going. And I think that um, I think the uh, context of gender masculinity, sexuality, it's so fluid. And I'm coming across issues with my girls and boys now that, you know, it was only uh, 15, 20 years ago that, you know, Melrose Place had their first gay guy on, on the show. And then we what had a great show though. Melrose Place. There, oh, right? loved it. And then you had uh, the you old know, one, not the new one. Modern though. Family where you first had an intimate couple on stage. And now the kids have grown up in such a such mm. a context where this is considered to be very normal. They all have gay friends. Mm. Sexuality is completely open. The kids are coming out a lot earlier. People are coming. People aren't necessarily identifying as gay or, or heterosexual. There's this whole fluid space in between. It's kind of an ongoing negotiation. And and how do we how do we hold on to the you know how do we how do we not throw the baby out with the bathwater? How do we keep what men are about? And I think mm. women need a certain masculinity as well at certain oh, times. Yeah. There seems to be strength. Like you need to be able to park it. Yep. You need to be able to suck it up. Mm. You need to be able to move forward. Mm. But you also need to be able to express. And it's mm. about when and how. Yeah. 
And I haven't really figured that out yet. <laughs> no, I, and I think that's the big continuing conversation, right? And this is one of the things that I say to the guys that I work with. Um, I'm in the game too. I'm still learning all this stuff myself. But I'm in the, game, in the game. I'm willing to be. What have you learned? Learn. I, I'm keen. What have you learned about yourself and how do you express it currently? Because we're all on this mm. evolution, aren't we? Yeah, no one's got it fixed. Well, uh, so maybe coming back to one of the questions earlier, um, yeah, so the females in my life have been hugely instrumental and I have Helpful. absolutely no doubt that, you know, let's say prior to where I am now and maybe when I was about 25 and I hadn't opened my eyes a bit more, um, my level of maybe empathy and emotional understanding and emotional intelligence even though it might have been quite low relative to, let's say, now, was still where it was because of that feminine influence, heavily. Um, but I see now the need for me to also connect. And it's not necessarily softening so much, but just being able to actually connect and talk about stuff that matters with, with the men in my life. So, I've, so I see that as a big part of my journey now is, and I, and I agree. And I, 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 I'm just trying at the moment in my life to envision how. Yep. And so I'm a part of a, an organisation. How vulnerable do I be with my bosses about where mm. I am, you know, my, uh, my elders? I'm in a football team or I play in a group sport. You know, they do come together. They do bond. They are supportive. But how vulnerable can you be? How, how, how much of the weakness can you show? Because there is this competitive aspect and we see that in football yeah, course, teams all the time yeah. where they come together they're really good mates but then they don't speak to each other three weeks later do you know what I mean it's that yeah, dance how do you how do you know how to how to play that dance and yeah, uh, pay yeah. attention pay attention yeah Fred Astaire stuff pay attention yeah. Yeah. what am I paying attention to though is there a need is there a need for me to actually experience some emotion and perhaps communicate around it is there a need for me to tap into my competitive and aggressive side and actually let some steam off and whatever else is out there. But paying attention to what's going on for you and what you actually need, I think, is a pretty important part of it. the mindfulness, yeah. the emotional intelligence, yeah. the centre, Brett. The centre, I love the centre. Uh, yeah. And so for you, you know, you're sharing all those different um, situations and environments and therefore, I think, potential... Not outlets is not the word, but you know there, there, there's different situations where you may be able to soften, harden, lean in, lean out, whatever it may be. But the question around, okay, like at work, let's say, how vulnerable and open do I be? Right, that's a hard question, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a bloody good but one. I think I that probably know. comes down to you know obviously you the individual or, or us the individual, and then the environment and the leaders and what they invite. And okay, and I think unfortunately for a lot of people, especially in let's say male-dominated workplaces, it's been encouraged and perpetuated to keep up the really blokey nature and not to soften and go quote unquote weakness. We call it weakness, but really it's just actually being a bit more real and authentic. I think vulnerability. Yeah. So, what do you do now? You started out. You're a PE teacher, right? Um, I was a personal trainer. Sorry, a personal yeah. trainer, yeah. I didn't like the idea of teaching when I left university. Yeah, cool. That's basically what I do now, though. So it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Um, the irony. So, so you you did that, and then did you do a psych degree? Are you, are you a psychologist? Are you a psychiatrist? Or are you just a dude that's learnt lots of shit and like to share it with others? I would lean more to the latter right there. Yeah, so that's I coach. a technical term, yeah. obviously, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So a great I, university I coach degree, men. actually. Learn shit and teach others. 
Yeah. In the school, yeah. that'd be in the school of hard knocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, so that's what you do. So, what's your business? Uh, so, I have a, a, a five-month online group coaching program for men called the School of Personal Mastery. Okay, and how do you get men on board? Because we've, we've been talking here about how hard it is to to crack that nudge. Let's do yeah. that. Um, to actually get there and make blokes talk about bloke stuff and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So how do you get blokes to join this online mastery course? Such a wanky name too, just want to add that. But the online mastery, how do you make them do How do you get them on the board to do that? I no. mean that in a positive way too, sorry. Come across a bit negative then. I apologise. Anyway, sorry, keep going. No offence taken. No. My skin is much thicker than it used to be. Absolutely. So, well, I think lots of ways. And for me, one of the, most important parts of it was realizing oh, it's hard it's hard to have these conversations with men it's hard to engage them yeah. in this we're so reactive in so much of our lives and it's hard to engage men to be proactive in almost anything but certainly anything that i think involves their mental emotional health and well-being and you know what they're doing with their lives so one of the major thing in ways that i do it is beyond the beers is creating something that for me is attempting to bring men in where we're at, which is exactly what you're doing here, right? It's having a beer. What do we do? We have a beer and we talk on the surface. So let's do that and showcase some men talking about some slightly more meaningful and challenging stuff and show that actually that's not that hard. And when men see it, first of all, this was my, um, this was my thinking going into creating Beyond the Beers, which started as a, as a show interview show where we sit and it gets filmed so you see the men doing it but then the events was exactly that men will see it and go that's not that hard i could probably do that and that's absolutely been something that we get in the events but more to the point these days that i've seen is i want to do that but i just never really knew how or where and so of course that's the kind of thing that makes me go we're onto something here we've got to bloody keep doing it so that would be one major way so how do you get people to – and we'll talk about Beyond the Beers yep. more in a sec, but how do you get people to there? Like, cause, well, the mm. way – from every discussion we've had here so far today is about how hard this is, right? Mm. So you're pretty much Beyond the Beers getting a whole group of people in a room, like an AA meeting or whatever you want to well, – like, I've got a question. Do you – In the middle of a <laughs> Sorry. I, well, you cut me in all the time. This, yeah, is, this, is, okay. this is new thing. Payback. This is payback. This is a competitive <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. A slap that I'm doing. Um have we hit that spot today? What spot? Have we gone under? No, we haven't. We've we've stayed on the surface for sure. But that that's that's pretty much where my question's coming from is mm. the fact that we've spoke about stuff so far. We've still got time to go. I'm just on. That's but all I hope. How do you get those guys in that room? That's mm. the bit I don't understand because that mm. that to to if you come to me, I'm in the pub. Someone rocks up. Hey, we're going to go to this event. Whole pile of dudes sitting in a room. A couple of blokes up the front talking soft stuff gay shit, whatever you want to call it, that's what they're going to do and I'm going to make my inner feelings. It must be tough. Yeah, so one, I won't use those terms. Of course. Yeah, because it won't no, land. Course. And we, don't, ag- it, we right? don't agree with those terms no, on this but, podcast. And that's, but that's, <laughs> no, but I'm talking point. about that's the way blokes yeah. <laughs> talk, right? Is, is that for me, stuff. it's that's paying attention to the language. Yes. Right, because it's, it's so important whether or not something is heard or dismissed. Yes. Basically. Um, and so just yesterday I was having a few conversations with a few guys and I started that with, do you like cold beer? Yes. First, first step. Yep. Do you like having a chat with mates over a, a beer? Yes. 
Yes, this, this is good so far. We're on, we're right? on a winner, yeah. <laughs> Do you have mates that you can talk about real stuff, challenging stuff with over a beer? Ooh, pause to think. And then potentially that could go anyway. Right? Yeah. Well, look, we've got this event coming up beyond the beers, and that's what it's about. So for me, it's about asking some questions. And, and I have by no means nailed it because I think it's incredibly challenging. And I am very much in this space and I connect with guys like yourselves and, and stuff all over the place, all over the world that are doing this kind of thing. And we're still so, so such a small part, mm. I think, of it. Um, so can you give us an example of types of things you've ch- shared in that kind of space? Yeah. So, I mean, so one of the things that I'll do at Beyond the Beers is, is go first, is I talk because I think it's important that I do. Wait, can we just explain what Beyond the Beers is? We haven't actually done that yet. So let, let's, what, what is the beers. Beyond the Beers? So, so it started as an interview show, right? Me yeah. sitting down with another bloke, um, but, a, but a, a, a video show. I just I had it in my head. I feel me need to see it. Yep. And so that's how we started. And so the idea being, you know, they might be an expert, they might be someone of high profile, but generally they're just an everyday bloke regardless someone that the audience can relate to and conversations with men that break the stereotype. That was the kind of the tagline for beyond the beers. And now with the events, it's conversations and cool shit for men. And the cool shit really is a hook back to the question of how do you get them in the room? You hook them in as well with a little bit of beer and some whiskey and some suits and some mindfulness and some, you know, whatever it is. Um, so a few little things to throw some carrots and, and lines in the water, so to speak, but really beyond the beers is about, yeah, bringing men into a space make it safe and easy and chill to actually talk about stuff that matters. So they can leave knowing one, it's not just them struggling through stuff. Cause we all are, but we tend to think everyone else has got their shit together and I don't, I better not, when's I the, better not admit the events that. on the gold coast here. It's on the yeah. 11th of August. It is. Where's that at? At Miami Marquetta. How do I get tickets? Beyond the beers TV slash event. Okay, we'll come back and do that again. So now back to your question. What do you share? What's something that you've shared at, at these events? Yeah, so so then, yeah, so as I said before, for me it's so important to go first because I think that's what most of us men are waiting for permission. And so for me, Beyond the Beers is providing permission. Ah, shit, I can do that, like I said. Um, so I always want to go first. And so my, I generally tell my story, which is perhaps a, a, an elongated version of what I told you gentlemen before, but I'll go into – you know, what I was experiencing when, let's say, I received that phone call from my fiance at the time who said, I can't marry you. And then, you know, the subsequent kind of six to 12 months of flying back and forth to New Zealand a lot, thinking that my mum was, that was the time that she was dying and stuff. So so what did you feel when you got that phone call? It's- I felt winded. Oh, yeah. felt my very first initial thought like that fleeting little thing which was basically just one big kidding yourself was maybe this is a joke and then I was winded and gutted and I just I was speechless and I just didn't really know what to make of it but did it hurt oh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely so what was the pain where was it was it in your heart or in your belly or it was in my belly at that point like that's why I used the term gutted like it felt like the wind had just been kind of knocked out of me it was like a sick nauseous feeling Yeah. yeah and and linked to that, I think, again, now with a bit more awareness and look back at it, it was this feeling of helplessness and powerlessness. Like, I have no control over this. Here I was in a relationship and, 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 and loving and all this kind of stuff and planning weddings and talking about children, all this kind of stuff. Now I'm absolutely helpless and powerless to that. 
and no real understanding as to why, which again just kind of exacerbated it. So I just felt very, very powerless. And, and in that moment and the moments after, let's say, the next week or so, I just felt like I'd be in that place forever. You know, how do I navigate this and get out of it? Yeah. Okay. It's very foreign, very challenging, and very and daunting. Did anger creep in? Not initially. Uh, then I, then, you know, I'm very curious and I want to figure things out. That's my nature. So when it came to this, fucking oath I did. So then there was this need to know and, and understand for myself. So I wasn't really, I think, wanting to understand her perspective. I was, but it was so I could then understand for my own healing and, and, um, comprehension so then i think after that there was mm, not anger i don't think so much as maybe resentment because this is the person that hurt me that was kind of the story right yeah you're the victim yeah to some degree yeah yeah that was kind of you ever sit down with her and have the chat about yes why so you you got to do that you got to sit down with her face to face and and battle it out if you like Ask That's some good. questions. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they go. Uh, I mean, at the time, not how I really wanted it to go. And I remember this was in Sydney, um, and I was staying at my sister's place, which was in Coogee. So she was actually at her sister's place, funnily enough, um, which wasn't too far. We met in the middle, which was right at Coogee Beach. We had this conversation sitting there, and it, you know, got some kind of answers, but not really. And you know, I was never really going to get the answers I wanted, right? Because I wanted to still be in the relationship, basically. Um, and I remember pleading at some point, and then when she left, you know, I was just distraught. I remember leaning on like the like the railing that goes around, kind of by the beach. There's some steps, just in tears. Yeah, just, just devastated. It feels like you had your heart ripped out your ass, doesn't it? <laughs> A good analogy. Yeah, yeah it just it just came to me. <laughs> it's really because it's not coming out the top. It's, just, it's actually sticking your arm and ribbing it out. Your well, arm. if it comes out the mouth, it feels like you could almost put it back in. But once it's come out your ass, it's kind of done. <laughs> <laughs> you got to leave it behind, and there's no healing. Uh, there's nothing going to fix it, and you've just got to accept this unconditional misery that kind of overwhelms you. And mm. debilitates. Well, I'm going to say is debilitates. Debilitates. Mm. Debilitates. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. And that was kind of the the, I think. As I kind of said before, for me, I mean, I don't know it any different, right? Because the situation I was in was the only situation I was in. But the next day I had to run a business. I had to build a business. I had to get clients. And so I had to function, let's call it. But what did you do with the all, mask on. What did you do with all that emotion? Uh, well, I, I put it into drive. Like I'm, I've got to do something here. So again, I, I, as I said, I, I certainly had conversations with my sister. Um, who was a, a great help. And then over the coming months and years, I think, a um, couple of years after that, I addressed it and, and properly healed. But part of my journey through that, you know, let's call it the, ne- the next six weeks is pretty shit. It just hurting, right? But also having to really function. And then I started to ask the questions like, well, what was my role in that? Wow. And what can I learn from this? 
and how can I, you know, basically how can I better navigate relationships, situations like this in the future? And do you, did you do all that yourself? Like, was that something that you sat there and thought of or did you go and see like a psychologist or did you see people, did you talk mates? What, how did you get to that point of actually I need to do something about this, I need to face it? So most of that, I suppose, um, realisation and then action was yep. was by myself. Wow, that's huge. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I feel that might be the space I'm in. Mm. You know, we, we, start, we, we want men to get together. But maybe there's something in Nate in us that wants us to retreat to our own little cave to try and figure it out. Yeah, oh, I agree, 100%. Yeah. Yep. I think both are so important. They right. are. So, again, I look back now going, as I said before, I only have my experience to go on, but I feel like if I had the men were around, let's face it, I didn't have the awareness or um, willingness perhaps to engage them at who, the time. Who would have you gone down there, gone and seen in hindsight? Would it have been a relative or a friend or I think I just would have like voiced it just spoken what was in here a bit more with a couple of mates okay. not again not needing solutions or perhaps therapy but just somewhere to speak and get all of this stuff spinning around in here and perhaps some of the emotion that comes with it um get it out there and not need solutions but just someone to have a beer with me and go yeah man that I'm sounds, hearing you brother that sounds hard that's what yeah. you want isn't it that's all it is. I'm hearing you, brother. Yep. Yeah. I do anything to help you, but uh, I'm fucking listening. Yeah. yeah. That looks like it sucks big time. In it. Guys, oh, fuck, I'm glad it's you and not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> too far again. <laughs> no, but it is. It's, it's that, that, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. It, it is that that's what you just want to be able to sit there and have that conversation. Yeah. And I actually, you know, just having this conversation now, I just remembered that I don't think I've thought about that since then. So it's a good mate of mine. And, um, he followed suit very similarly, moved back from the UK. We used to live together over there with his partner. And they broke up not too long after we did. And I do remember having a conversation with him over the phone and saying, this is what's happened. And, and he, you know, a lot of the time in the, in the saying of, I'm with your brother and I hear yeah. you, we want to say, here's my experience too, yeah. which can help or sometimes it takes away from. But I remember him actually saying. You don't saying, want it to make it sound like mine was worse than yours and we're yeah. trying to get yeah. that competitive nature back but on. He, yeah. I think he did a very good job, very naturally and, and unconsciously, just actually said on, honestly, I think, I think I'm in a, a very similar space and probably not that far away from that myself. Yeah. So no, I mean, uh, I'll uh, never uh, know uh, what that so, did. So I kind of think men do do it. We, we just do it consciously. We do it in a slightly different way. I thought, yeah, but I, I could have uh, not told him what was going on. You could have. And I yes, think that's where a lot of men are. And we he probably don't. wouldn't have bought How it How you up. going, mate? Yeah, she's right. I'll be fine. I'll get over it. I think we got there. You wanted to go deeper. We went deeper. I think we did. I'm feeling quite emotionally satisfied right now. <laughs> that's good, brother. So, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm hearing you. So, Mike, you talk about that stuff, yeah. right? One thing that really got me when we had our phone conversation in regards to uh, Beyond the Beers was the other speakers, right? Because mm. I got off the phone thinking, fuck, I'm really looking forward to doing that. But my story is nowhere near as interesting is the word I'm going to use, yeah, as the other two speakers, right? And I know you don't know this, so this is going to be blind for you. The other two speakers, do you want to just tell us who they are? Because mm. one of them is quite shocking, but I think it's really, really interesting in what they're going to be talking about. So 
Who, who are the other two speakers? Mate? Yeah, I'd love to know what's going on in your exactly, moment, Chris. <laughs> no, so we've got a couple of guys. One guy's called Tom Stranger, and so Tom, I can't remember what I exactly said to you, but the shortest way of um, explaining this is that Tom is as he's a forty-year-old man now, but as an eighteen-year-old uh, raped his then girlfriend, and he's now written a book with her, and they've come to a place of mutual healing and forgiveness and they've toured and spoken about this book and spoken on the stage at Ted Woman Conference and all this kind of stuff. And so he's a pretty phenomenal guy who's put his head out to be really cut down and is very determined to educate and empower men around and boys around the conversation of consent and sex and objectification. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when that is said? I think that's a very interesting conversation to have. That was that was Tom's just going, <laughs> fuck. That was the first word that came to my head. It's interesting space and uh, sexuality and, uh, you know, relationships are a, a complicated space of negotiation. And we're, we're currently openly having this conversation about where consent lies and, and men need to take more responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And I, But I think, again, on the same level, uh, Everyone needs to take responsibility for it. It's yes. not just a male-female kind of mm. set up here. Women and men need to come together and, and better understand how we negotiate those spaces mm. because they're not fixed. It's not black and white. It's not no. this is when you say that. And uh, it's about how, how do we as human beings relate and be compassionate and loving and nurturing and also, you know, virile and sexual and, you know, uh, animalistic because mm. that's a part of who we are as well. How, how do you find that balance? And, again, it's like everything else we talked about today. It's a fucking difficult line to find. Mm. Mm. Man, that would be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Sounds like it. And I know that it will make a lot of people uncomfortable. Yep. But that's and not a bad thing. No. Well, I, I think it's a good thing. That's why we're having the conversation exactly. at the event, right, because you know what? Fuck it. We need to have this conversation and so we're going to do it. Yeah. So, and then next. <laughs> Tom will share a bit of his story. He's not yeah. there to be a, to be an expert. Yeah. He's there to, to tell his story and, and kind of share how he navigated you know, coming to terms with that. It's a pretty fascinating story over many years and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, so that's that's what Tom's going to talk about. Um, and then we have another uh, guy called Nick Bradley. And so Nick used to play NRL for um, the Tigers and the Seagulls um, quite a few years ago now. Mighty manly Seagulls. I just want to add that bit. And um, and he's a fascinating guy who's gone through, you know, that transition from professional football to no longer professional football, which can go really sideways for a lot of people. And so he's got a story of kind of being at, at you know, I suppose, quote unquote, rock bottom. And and um, he's going to kind of tell a bit of a, a hero's journey story around, uh, you know, actually turning and facing your origins and and dealing with your shit um, and what can kind of come out the other side of it. And, uh, yeah, Nick's one of my favourite people. He's got some amazing uh, stories and perspective, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing him share that kind of journey through that now into being a businessman, working with um, young boys that have kind of slipped through the cracks and taking them through uh, um, right journey and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so so he's got some great stuff not going to be on the same uh let's say intensity level as tom's conversation but um, a very insightful conversation one delving into his story and his experiences uh, it's really interesting and and obviously uh, chris is now going to be speaking at the event as well and one of the things that he will bring to it is something completely different as well because when i first met chris um 
I, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to a psychologist. I'd never been, never done that sort of stuff. And I, um, I, I class Chris as a, as a, as a very good friend, uh, when we're in these situations, but when he's my psychologist, he's my sounding board and all that sort of stuff. And I like to call him the entrepreneur whisperer because he actually was the only person that could ever diagnose what was wrong with me. And that was that I was actually scared of boredom. So the thing is, because of the way people have said I've got ADHD, ADD, all those sort of things, but it all comes down to the fact that I'm scared of boredom because if I sit too long in one spot, then I get bored. Which you nailed in the hospital the other day. Which I did. And that's why I was so proud of myself in the hospital because I could do that, right? Whereas a year year ago, I might have smashed it, but a year ago, I would have gone fucking nuts. Absolutely. What do you think would have happened a year ago? Um, I would have either signed myself out, I would have left and then got really, really sick. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the doctor told me at one stage that if I had gone home when I wanted to go home, I would have turned septic. And we were talking earlier about this. The word just turning septic doesn't sound good. No, <laughs> it's like, I don't know how bad that is, but pretty that's, real, that's isn't it? pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, is I would have, um, yeah, I would have either started four new businesses or not started any and got rid of everything and, and had a really bad relationship and had arguments with my wife and kids and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I just dealt with it. My wife came in and saw me every day, which made my day. And yeah, just lots of little stuff like that. So it was completely mm-hmm. opposite. But the thing that Chris has also helped me do is I learned how to meditate. I've learned how to actually be one with myself. Mm. I've learned how to look for the center and, and try and find that. And it's all these mindfulness things which as as a bloke, you don't do. Simple as that. Like one of my, one of my um, good friends, he's actually just about to book in to see Chris. But when I first, you fucking seen a psychologist, what's wrong with you? Like why would you do that? that sort of thing. And then now he's seen the change in me and it's like, fuck, I should have done that back then. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you've given really him permission. Exactly. So as we are talking before, you know, how deep do we need to go and all that kind of stuff? Well, maybe we talk about, you know, the, the heart ripped out of the asshole and all that stuff, but maybe it's just the fact that we okay things like that. Yeah. Right. Don't work yourself that hard that you're going to cause all that shit through your life. Or perhaps that your mate doesn't say, what the fuck are you saying? It's like, exactly. right, and you can actually go, oh, good on you, mate. Yeah. I call him my head coach. I go and see my head coach at least once a week, and uh, I tell all the guys at work, where are you going? I'm going to see my head coach. I'm going to see my side. Like, I, I look at it, PT is a really good example for me. Like, I'm a business coach as well, right? So from a, from a PT point of view, I wouldn't go to the gym unless I had a PT or a trainer there because I know the type of person I am, I'm going to lift that heaviest possible weight I can. I'm going to hurt myself. I used to do CrossFit and the reason I stopped doing it because I injured myself so much because I had to win. Right? Yes. Now I'm completely different. I don't have to win. I've just got to win for me that so day. Do you feel like you've tamed that competitive nature 100%, a little bit? 100%. Yeah. Like I'm, I do F45, right, and I love it. And the reason I love it is because I'm the only one against myself. Mm-hmm. Like I know if I'm knackered, I'll just stop. Mm-hmm. I'll stop for that minute into the next one but i'm not upsetting anyone or i haven't hurt anyone in the room the only person that is affected by that is me whereas in the past that would never have even come into my consciousness it would have been fuck you must think i'm lazy i've got to do that harder or she must do that i've got to beat her she did that box jump whatever but now because of the the tools Mm. that chris has given me i can plank for two minutes i couldn't plank for 10 seconds when i started and the only reason i can do that is because I just go in a meditative state. I could probably stay there for an hour. I'm just, I don't even know what's going on. People tap me, move on. You've got to get to the next one. And that's all come down to the tools that you learn mm. to actually help yourself. And it's, it's not being soft. It's not being this. It's actually listening 
and getting professional help. And I think by Chris showing some of those skill sets to these guys, hopefully it'll sink in that you, mm. it's not a bad thing. Talk to people. Yeah, and I think one of the things, you know, you know, you you said before, you know, he might be thinking that or she might be thinking, yeah. you know, we this is one of the things I see with men and we kind of spoke about it earlier is that we just care so much about what other mm-hmm. people think and it's destroying us. And you mentioned, you know, standing on your, your, your pile of fucks, right? Yeah. We're just giving fucks where they're not warranted. I haven't got enough right? of them. Yeah. That's the thing. You've only got a certain amount to give Absolutely. out in your whole life, haven't you? And uh, and when we can kind of tap into that a little bit and go, what are you putting yourself with that thing over there for? Those probably people don't know. Right. What people think of you them, is, their fault, is their problem, not yours. That's why I look at it. Oh, like that one? I like that one. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah good. Come a long way, big fella. Fucking have, yeah. Not really. Yeah. But that, and that's the thing, like, that's because of him. And I remember on the fuck up night is the person when I before I even started, he didn't know I was gonna do it. I actually thanked Chris for pretty much not saving my life, but saving my mental life because he's been able to give me the ability to actually do that. And um and I think that's why it'll be beneficial for for that um beyond the beers conversation. On the eleventh of August, Miami Marquetta. What time? Hang on. 9 a.m., 9 to 1. 9 to 1. Happy morning. A few good conversations. What time's the first beer poured? Old beer. I have to kind of work that one out, eh? Because I kind of get a little Legally, bit aware it's 10 about a.m. As well. yeah, <laughs> serving, serving fellas up beer, you know? Um, so, funnily enough, so we've got Stone and Wood who are coming along um, with beer, but we've also got a company called Seedlip. And Seedlip are the world's first non alcoholic distilled spirit. And so for me, I'm really excited because even though. What? I, yeah. Non-alcoholic distilled spirits. So like yes. whiskey is distilled, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so so I think it, the closest thing to perhaps compare is kind of like gin vodka. Okay. But for me, I'm excited because, one, it sounds like it's quite delicious. There's a couple of kind of a spicy one. And a, so you um, drink it straight? Uh, like cocktails. So you'd have like a, you know, like a gin and tonic. But for me, it invites the conversation of why are we drinking? Yeah. Right. And, you know, a lot of men are drinking to get fucked up. Or to ignore their shit and to numb and distract. And so that's why I always have beer involved with my events because I think it's such a powerful place to get me and that's where we are. Um, but it also invites the conversation of why are we drinking? Are we drinking to to distract from our shit? Of course they or are. face it. 100%. Right? Oh, my example. I like to give my examples. My example, I used to, my, my father was a, was a, a bad alcoholic. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, he had a lot of shit going on. He had a lot of pain and all that sort of stuff. Not making excuses. So I don't do that. But at different times in my life, I was definitely an alcoholic. Mm. But I now am in the position where I can have three beers because I quite enjoy the third beer. And that, once again, got taught to me by Chris because Mm. it all comes down to the fact that you can just sit there and that third one relaxes you but doesn't get you pissed. I'm more than happy to sit with all my mates there all getting on the sauce and I'll just have my three beers or a couple of ginger beers or whatever and I'm just comfortable. I'm happy. I'm in that space. It's all cool. We can just chill. And I don't need to go and have those extra 16 schooners. Whereas in the yeah. past, I would have had a thousand because well, I can and he is and he is all oh, quick, better drink faster than him. Yeah. But I think once you, you, you can actually learn to do that. Mm. And I think um, there's all this alcoholics shouldn't drink alcohol. Well, shouldn't they? They shouldn't just drink as much alcohol as they, you know, because the reason they're an alcoholic is not the fact that like someone needs to get in there and find out why, find out how you fix that. And then how you do that. 
I think it's different for everyone and uh, it's a complicated space. Yeah. And I've got, I've got a couple of people that I, I think might come on and do a podcast one day. So uh, it'd be an interesting journey, mm. but some people can't. Yeah. Stop. I know, I get yeah, that. And I get that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Addiction, so addiction's a horrible thing. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not making light of any of that stuff, but I've, that's just my personal journey. Mm. I, I can do that, and I'm really proud of myself that yes. I can actually do you've that. Learned, you've learned, yeah. the, you learned the off switch. Which yeah, is that, that's what it is, yeah. It's like, you know, the, the Japanese saying you only eat the 70% of your, your fullness. It's beautiful. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah but in order to figure out 70%, you need to stop and pay attention. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, and that's, that's the same thing with this as well, with having a beer, is enjoying it. And so – Again, I think it's an incredibly valuable conversation that we can be having in Australia and New Zealand as well, society, around how and why are we drinking. And if all of a sudden you bring in a drink that's got no booze in it, you can't just keep smashing that to get fucked That'd up and so forget your troubles. Yeah. yeah. So so you, you're you drinking it to enjoy it. And the company and the connection and the taste is a different conversation, exactly what you're talking about with having your couple of ginger beers or whatever. Well, there's a really good non-alcoholic beer too that uh, at my local soccer club, one of the guys is um, is Muslim. And so he doesn't obviously drink alcohol. I saw him with a beer and he said, what's he doing? And he goes, hey, you got to try this. And it was this non-alcoholic beer that tasted very similar to like a, a lager. Mm. And it's like, I really enjoyed that. And so now at the footy club, that's the beer I drink because I actually quite enjoyed the taste of it. But you're drinking yeah. it once again for the taste and the social encounter yeah. as opposed to the getting pissed thing. Mm. Yeah, so no, that's going to be interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see how How many people you got coming? Well, I don't know how, more, how many we'll have on the end of the day. but How many so far? Do we know? Uh, how many can you seat? We can seat plenty, Mark. He does got plenty of space, but okay. we've got capacity for about a hundred. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's get a hundred blokes there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll do whatever we can, mate, to help you. Um, we'll 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 produce this podcast in the next day or so, and it'll go out before the event. Um, we'll put as much marketing as we can behind it, and uh, sort of on behalf of Media Eight, we wish you the best on that stuff. And on behalf of the Third Beer Podcast, pleasure to have you on board mate, today. Really, mate. thank you for coming along, and. I, re- I could sit here and have this conversation all day. I, it's Absolutely. something that, that's re- that's really interesting. So, yes. um, really exactly. try and get along to that that event. And uh, I send my apologies in advance, but uh, Chris will be there waving the big flag and doing yes. his bit. But that's all good. Okay. So what we do is at the end of this is we always look at our beer and we we come to a picture in our head when you drink it of what you think of. Okay. Right. So this is the Great Northern Brewery. Uh, it's their lager. Um, and we also scored out of ten. So, Chris, as usual, you're off first. So I've uh, I'm in North Queensland, as you know, from Townsville, and I've just gone up to Innsvale, and uh, I've played around a nine. Nine holes of golf, yeah. We teed off at six o'clock with a stubby. Nice. And we'd often drink a, a beer a hole. Yep. Okay, and we get back uh, to the house, and we're uh, having a pie and chips, and it must be about nine o'clock, and we crack open another one, and. Uh, and a mate turns to me and says, uh, "Me mate, uh, me wife's just left me and starts to cry." What do you do? You have a drink. You have a drink. You have a great northern. Say that really sucks, mate. Yeah. You want to talk about it? There you go. That's my image for the day. That's your image for the day. <laughs> Fucking steep. What do you give that out of ten? I like a great northern. It's a good beer. I'll uh, I'll give that. Uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight. I like it. Right. I, well, I'm uh, I'm with you on the golf course. I think it's a really good um, beer for around a golf. Mm. I, I think in a tin on the way around in a stubby holder, yeah, if yeah. you're playing a few holes, I, I think that's nice taste. It's got a really nice taste when you first drink it. I think it keeps it throughout. It hasn't got that that 
sort of lychee shit or any of that peachy quite, type taste. Uh, don't, don't knock the peach or lychee. I like it. This is an original beer. And I quite like that. Mate, I'm going to give that an eight and a half. Nice. What do you reckon, Mike? What's your vision? So I, I love uh, where you've gone with that one. Beautiful. Mine's a little bit different to that, and maybe I'm being swayed by some of the marketing that I've seen for Great Northern. It's hard to say. It's infiltrated in there somewhere. So what I, what I, what I see at the moment is uh, like relaxing on a lounger on the beach. Mm. And I've got a little table next to me, and there's an empty one of these. And there's a fresh one sitting in a bucket that I'm just about to grab. I've got a book next to me, and I'm relaxed, and I'm chilled, and I have not a care in the world. Nice. What do you give it out of 10? I give this a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Well, thanks yeah. to Great Northern Brewing Co. Yes. Uh, if you do want to sponsor the third beer, you're more than welcome to. We're, uh, we're in discussions with a couple of breweries at the moment. So, New Stone and Wood might be at this event that's on the 11th of August, mate. Might be worth having a bit of a chat. The shoulder up. It will. Have a bit of a chat to the boys, see if they want to get on the third beer. Bring on the charm. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming in, mate. We really appreciate it. I've had a great chat today, so I've really appreciated that. Brother, as normal, it's been a pleasure. Good luck, buddy. Get well, eh? Get better. Slowly but surely, let's make this happen. Thanks for coming on, mate. It's great. Thanks, guys. See you soon. See you soon.